Hey, hi, hello there. My name is Kelly, otherwise known as Skin Queen, and welcome to the Skin Lovers Unite podcast, a place for all beauty therapists, skin therapists, estheticians, cosmetic nurses, and anyone else in the professional beauty industry who wants to learn more about skin science. In these episodes, I'll teach you everything you need to know when it comes to skin concerns, ingredient technology, treatment, and helping you to become the best you can be so that you can achieve the best outcomes for your clients. Are you ready to learn? Let's get started with today's episode. Hey, skin lover. I'm so excited for today's episode. So today is a topic I could literally talk about for hours so passionately over and over again. (laughs) And I often feel like I am repeating myself, but it's something that we see a lot of in clinic and that is sensitive skin. But today I'm also going to be talking about redness and rosacea too, because all of those three things can often be mistaken for each other. And if we diagnose incorrectly and then we treat incorrectly, we can actually cause more damage than good. So let's jump right in and start with sensitivity. So what exactly is sensitivity? Sensitivity isn't to be confused with dry or dehydration, although that can be a side effect of having dry and dehydrated skin. But sensitivity is when a client is telling you that when they apply a product to their skin, that their skin is sensitive, their skin is reactive, their skin tingles or burns or they're not tolerating the product that they're actually applying to the skin. And this is because nine times out of 10, they are barrier impaired. This can happen if somebody is over exfoliating, if somebody has caused too much sun damage, if somebody is self-prescribing skincare and using things that aren't right for them, or it could just be because they're simply not moisturizing and looking after their barrier function at all. I actually read of a client the other day and she was using a glycolic acid serum. She was using Retrieve. She was using a scrub. And I think the cleanser she was using had glycolic in there as well. And she wasn't using an SPF and she wasn't using a moisturizer. And she was saying all of a sudden her skin has become very dry and sensitive. And she's not sure if it's because of the Retrieve or not. And whilst definitely the Retrieve would be contributing to that, Everybody was like, girlfriend, you aren't using any moisturizer and you're not using any SPF. So what's happening is she's like overstimulating, over exfoliating her skin and causing a lot of photosensitivity too, which isn't ideal. So as I said, nine times out of 10, people aren't actually truly sensitive. They're probably barrier impaired. True sensitive skin are people who are actually atopic. So I've spoken about this, I think in one of my first episodes, but I've got a girlfriend who is truly sensitive and what happens when she actually applies products to her skin. And I'm talking like really basic barrier repair products is she has hay fever like symptoms. So she gets runny eyes, a little bit puffy in her cheek. She can get a little bit runny nose. She gets very allergy like symptoms, but she also does have asthma and eczema. So she is a really great example of somebody who's truly sensitive and atopic. But nine times out of 10, it just comes down to the products that our clients are using. And if they're not using a quality cosmeceutical um, moisturizer, then their barrier is going to be left unnurtured. And then they're going to have all of these 
adverse skin responses such as sensitivity. And it's interesting because my sister experienced this and I remember she was like, no, I've got sensitive skin. I can't use any of those products because they've got chemicals in there. So I'm just going to use my Manuka honey moisturizer. And I was like, honestly, just trust me. And I got her a really dense, thick, hydrating moisturizer that was going to help her barrier. Literally within a month, she was like, yeah, my skin's really good now. That That's a good moisturizer. And fast forward four or five years later, she can use cleansers that have lactic acid in there. She can use vitamin A. She loves her vitamin C's and antioxidant serums, and she doesn't have any issues with her skin. So case in point right there. So sensitive skin though, is not to be confused with rosacea. Sensitive skin is something that we see so often. It's something that's very easily fixed. We can just get them on really basic products. So something like a gentle cleanser, hyaluronic acid, and a barrier repair cream. Now, if people, I get lots of people actually, by the way, reach out to me being friends, family members, and they are having lots of um, skin sensitivities, whether their skin is like really reactive, whether they're having like a um, perioral dermatitis type response, or even if they've burnt themselves with a hairdresser, now all of a, a hairdresser, <laughs> a hair straightener, and now all of a sudden their skin is really sensitive and burnt. I just literally say go to Priceline. This is the only time I will ever recommend this, but go to Priceline and you can literally buy a barrier cream. It's in a white tub with a green lid. I think it's like $8 and it's like, is it 500 grams? That seems excessive. Maybe it's like 150 grams. It's the only time I will ever recommend a shop-bought skincare, but it is just a really nourishing barrier cream that's going to repair the skin, repair that sensitivity, so you can get back on top of everything and start nurturing the skin with proper cosmeceuticals once again. All right, so sensitive skin, just to recap, is not rosacea. However, often people who have rosacea have sensitive skin. And that's where it can be a little bit confusing for skin therapists. But if you are treating rosacea as sensitive skin, you're not going to be in for a good time. And if you're treating sensitive skin as rosacea, then you're not correctly treating the sensitive skin. It's a bit of a catch 22 there. I hope that made sense when I said that out loud. But let's have a little bit more of a deeper dive into what rosacea actually is. Because rosacea, and it's weird because I love talking about rosacea, but when people first ask me, I kind of freeze up and I'm like, shit, I don't know enough about this topic. <laughs> but I actually do because I've done lots of external masterclasses. Um, I can't think of the name of the company. I think it's called Derm Health Co. I think Marina is her name. She does a lot around rosacea and eczema and psoriasis and things like that. And I've learned a lot about more dermatological disorders from her. And I'm confident with rosacea, but because of me being a therapist and me not knowing how to explain rosacea once upon a time, I tend to freak out a little bit, but I'm confident to talk about it with you. It's weird. I get the same with hyperpigmentation. I know how to explain hyperpigmentation. I understand how it works like on such a deep intercellular layer. But then when somebody starts to mention hyperpigmentation, my brain all of a sudden goes, oh, that's a tricky one. <laughs> but it's not really. You just need somebody to explain it to you. So with rosacea, there are four types. So subtype one is one where you're having a lot of visible blood vessels and you're getting a lot of facial redness and flushing. I see this quite a lot in middle-aged women and you often see it on their cheeks, sometimes along their nose. 
Um, this one can be caused because of hormones and middle age and also just long-term photo damage, which is really annoying. And those are the ones that will be standing outside in the park, no hat, no sunglasses, no SPF saying that they've got sensitive skin. You're like, oh, well, girlfriend, that's no surprise. <laughs> the next is subtype two. So this is papular pustular acne, which is actually incorrect to call it acne, but papular pustular rosacea. So this is often associated with middle-aged women once again, and they will have acne-like breakouts on their cheeks and on their nose, as well as a lot of redness and visible blood vessels as well. Now, often this can just randomly occur. And the problem lies when people come into clinic and they say, I've always had good skin. And now all of a sudden I have these acne type lesions on my face and a therapist will be quick to be like, oh wow, you're having breakouts and treat them like acne. And oh my gosh, it is all downhill from there because what actually happens is it will actually stimulate it further. So we'll talk about that more in a moment. Subtype three is known as rhinophyma. And if you follow Dr. Pimple Popper on Instagram, you would have seen a lot of rhinophyma. And it's actually insane, like how big some people's noses actually get. But rhinophyma is kind of rare. I want to say rare, but I feel like we're seeing it more and more these days. But what happens is you get a thickening on the skin on your nose and then it can actually, your nose can really start to grow. It usually affects men and it is often accompanied by other subtypes of rosacea, usually subtype one, which is those visible blood vessels. Sometimes it can be papular pustular acne as well, or rosacea, we should call it as well. But people have to like get their noses cauterized and actually trim their noses off, which is just insane. They would honestly look like a complete different person after having that removed. Last is subtype four. So subtype four is known as ocular rosacea and it's symptoms that are centered on the eye area. So not to be confused with um, perioral and ocular dermatitis. Yes, that's what I'm saying. I was like, hold on, which one did I just say? (laughs) But ocular rosacea can be when it's actually happening on the eyelid and inflammation can cause a lot of redness and burning. People's eyes can be quite itchy and that can be quite chronic. This can later develop on other areas of the face, but most time when people are experiencing ocular rosacea, we have to actually on refer either to a doctor who will recommend them to go and see an optometrist because it is out of our scope of practice. But I really feel for people who experience that, I've seen people who experience that and it can even affect your eyelashes sometimes too, which it's just such a shame for people. So rosacea is very complex. So when you are actually experiencing rosacea, what is actually occurring is there is a demodex mite on your skin. Now, everybody has, or most people have demodex mites that live on our skin and they are a microscopic mite, 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 (laughs) too many microscopics and mites. Anyway, microscopic mite that can only survive on the skin of humans. And as I said, most people usually have them and the mites just live there. They don't cause any harm and therefore they're considered part of our microbiome. However, 
there's always that, however, in some people, they actually have a plethora of demodex mites. And that's what's stimulating these different types of rosacea. Now, researchers are still unsure as to why. Some people will say it's genetic. Some people will say it's something to do with your microbiome, which we might talk about in a whole nother episode because there's so much with that. But at the moment, there's currently no cure for rosacea either, which makes it tricky. It's all about managing the uh, the triggers and managing the symptoms of rosacea. So the symptoms and the triggers can be things like eating spicy foods, eating items that contain um, like cinnamon or chocolate or tomatoes or citrus, even sometimes drinking hot coffee or tea, um, having intestinal bacteria. So as we just said, that's something to do with like gut health and your microbiome. Um, And sometimes it could also be the presence of a protein that protects the skin from infection. So it's like your skin's own immune response. But you know, just managing those triggers, knowing what causes it is the biggest thing. And that can be the trickiest thing. And then actually just looking after your skin barrier function as someone who has rosacea themselves. I've always had like a little bit on my cheek for as long as I can remember. Barrier health is absolutely everything. And that's all that we can do with our clients that have rosacea. It's always important that we just you know, tell them that we can't cure it. We can definitely manage it and keep it at bay, but anything else on refer. So when dealing with a client who has any types of rosacea, we also need to avoid certain products on their skin too. So avoiding things like alcohols, acids, peels, and enzymes, because these can actually overstimulate the skin and cause a flare up. And people can go from having, you know, one or two little, um, papular pustular rosacea acne breakouts. Gosh, that was a long way around. <laughs> like on their cheek. And then a therapist will be like, oh yeah, we can do a gentle peel to treat that. And then as a result, the demodex might start to like nestle into the skin a little bit more and look at them up, like look them up on Google. They're scary little things. And that can cause like an overstimulation and then you can have a flare up. So somebody's skin that was once okay has now got full-blown rosacea which isn't ideal so i'm going to keep coming back to this and keep saying barrier support is everything here also too another effective treatment is led light therapy a mixture between red and blue light to help strengthen capillaries help to kill any bacteria that's in the follicle that could be creating an overproduction of the microbiome and overproduction of demodex mites And anything that can really help to reduce redness and inflammation is amazing for rosacea, but I wouldn't be doing anything more or anything less with these skins. I'd simply just be barrier support, anti-inflammatory and on referring. Hey there, I hope you are enjoying today's episode. If you are a beauty therapist who is hungry to learn more about skin science, skin histology and skin concerns and really level up your confidence around treating the skin and getting real results for your clients, then I have something for you. My course, Upgrade Your Skin Science Knowledge in 10 Days. When I first started on my journey, I really struggled to find resources online where I could learn more about the skin that didn't break the bank and really help me to develop as a therapist. And over the past few years, I've had so many others tell me the exact same, which is exactly why I created it. So if you are listening to this and you've been searching for an amazing online resource that teaches you lots about skin, then check out my course, Upgrade Your Skin Science Knowledge in 10 Days. 
And don't forget to use the code SLU for Skin Lovers Unite, SLU50 to get 50% off your purchase. Now let's get back to today's episode. So that now leads me to redness. Now, if people have rosacea, they generally have facial redness. Although not everybody who has redness has rosacea. Once again, I hope that makes sense. But, you know, if somebody has rosacea, they generally are experiencing redness. But not everybody who has redness is a rosacea client. The more skins you see, the more confident you become with diagnosing these skin concerns. And as skin therapists, we aren't perfect. But hey, humans aren't perfect. And I always think like, we're not going to get it right every time. But neither are doctors. So we need to stop putting pressure on ourselves that we don't have the answer every time straight up and we're going to help our clients, you know, 10 out of 10 times because sometimes it is simply just trial and error. And if you ever want a second opinion, please reach out to me. Just say, hey, I'd love a second opinion on my client. This is what they're using. This is what they've done. What would you think? It's actually something that I'm going to be offering in my Skin Queen Society eight-week program that I'm launching mid-October. I'm so excited. This has been something that I've been manifesting since I started Skin Queen. Even my email says skinqueensociety at gmail.com, but it's going to be an eight-week live skin concern program where I'm going to help you become the ultimate skin queen in eight weeks. And I am going to give everybody access to my Voxer who joined, which is a walkie talkie app. So whenever you need a second opinion on a client's skin, because I know most of the industry work by themselves and sometimes you can second guess yourself and you're like, oh, have I done the right thing here? It'd just be great. You know, we miss out on that sometimes when we work by ourselves to be able to just ask your coworker, hey, what do you think? So think of me as like your coworker in your pocket or in your walkie-talkie that you can hit me up and we can bounce ideas off each other. So watch this space because I'm really excited about that. But let's now talk about redness. And I actually have a skin concern card in front of me with a visual diagram of redness. And this is something else I'm going to be launching within the Skin Queen Society because having visual tools and cues, oh, as a therapist, they literally helped me so much. And so I think these will be amazing for you ladies listening. But redness, okay, what causes redness? So redness can be caused because of photo aging. So too much UV exposure. Then you can also get redness from having an impaired barrier and environmentally stressed skins. can also too because of artificial environment. So it could be because of too much heater, too much um, sauna, too much aircon. could be certain medications, could be too much physical exfoliant, too much exfoliating full stop. could also be because of different medications, illnesses, things like that. But... What's actually happening within the skin is you are starting to create a thinning epidermis and as a result, we start to see a thinning dermal epidermal junction. And when we start to see that in a photo aged skin, your skin becomes a little bit more permeable and then irritants, allergens and pathogens are able to flow in and out of the skin a little bit more, including when you're having thinning skin and you're having a thinning dermal epidermal junction, you're going to become more susceptible to sun damage. And so as a result, your capillaries underneath become over inflamed 
And I look at your capillaries as like bushes um, because that's a good visual cue for you to actually imagine your capillary network as bushes. And because they're getting more sun exposure and they're becoming more exposed to the elements, they're overgrowing and they're getting out of control. So they really become enlarged and contorted. And that's when we start to see that facial redness within the skin. Now you might not always see the capillary redness, but you'll definitely see redness and flushing within the skin. And oftentimes when we see reddened skins, they can be sensitive as well. (laughs) Surprise, surprise though. And as I mentioned earlier, like they're the ones that I see at the dog park and they've got bright red cheeks, visible capillaries, and they're like, oh, I've just got such sensitive skin and they're not wearing a hat. They're not wearing sunscreen. Internally, their skin is screaming and I'm screaming internally too, just thinking like, just want to help you. (laughs) So these skins would benefit immensely from a zinc-based SPF. And my go-to at the moment for a zinc-based SPF is my sunny skin. But in a reddened skin, all we need to focus on is barrier repair and working on strengthening those capillaries and really causing an anti-inflammatory effect on the capillaries as well. So that concludes redness. Hopefully this makes sense. Hopefully you're getting like a really good visual understanding and a visual picture in your head as I'm talking about this. So just to recap, we've spoken about sensitivity and why a client might be sensitive. We've also spoken about rosacea, what that looks like. And we've spoken about how sensitive skin isn't rosacea. We've then spoken about facial redness. And once again, we've spoken about how facial redness isn't rosacea. However, usually people who have rosacea have red skin. So rosacea isn't always, you know, if somebody's sensitive, somebody's red, rosacea isn't the first and foremost. What I would do from here is I would actually jump on Google and have a look at the different subtypes. So there's four different types of rosacea because the more that you know what they look like, the more you'll actually be able to point them out in a client's skin. Hopefully this episode has helped you today. If you have any feedback or have any questions or second opinions, flick them through to me on Instagram. Otherwise have a beautiful day and I'll chat to you next Monday. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. If you enjoyed it or learned something new, be sure to share this on Instagram and tag me at Skin Queen. That's Queen with three E's. And I'll be sure to repost you. Have an amazing day and stay moisturized.